Welcome to the Unorthodox Christian. I'm your host, Friar Tuck, and today we're going to talk about church. More specifically, why churches are failing and what needs to change. Now, before you get all defensive, hear me out. And if you disagree, well, then start a conversation as how I'm wrong. What I don't want you to do is say the lame excuse that people use every time someone says something bad about churches. The church is not perfect because it is made up of imperfect people. Imagine if people use that excuse in other areas of life. I'm sorry your car doesn't work right, but it's okay because I'm a bad mechanic. Or, I'm sorry I lost your child on a field trip, but I'm not perfect and 19 out of 20 is still 95%. I'm not here to cast blame on anyone in particular because we've been doing church our current way for a very long time. Seminaries teach the same information and pastors still use the same structure. I've been to many conferences where they talk about the failings of churches and how they're closing doors all over the world. So they know there's something wrong. Their only solution is teach more Bible. Look, that's not the only problem, and also a big part of the problem. Here's the thing. Churches are not producing what they promise will be a result from going to their church. Most church people are not so overwhelmingly loving, patient, kind, and joyful that non-church people say, wow, I want what they're having. Instead, depression, anxiety, and poverty is at an all-time high for this generation. The problem is not better theology. The problem is an execution. We all know that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So excuse me when I say the churches are insane. Let's begin with the basic form of church. And I understand there'll be slight variances to this, but on a whole, this is how Christian services go. People come in the doors and may or may not be greeted by a person who hands them a program of the day's activities. This person smiles and says things like, hi, welcome, good morning. Now, is this bad? No, of course not. That is, unless it's their job to do that because you want to look like a friendly church. If you have to create a greeter ministry to seem friendly because people don't naturally do it on their own, then you might have a problem. Teach your congregation how to be friendly, how to talk to people they don't know, without forcing the gospel into it. Help them see the outsiders like Jesus did with Zacchaeus, and then invite them out to dinner after the service. Now, I know that this is asking a lot, and it's easier to put a body at the door. And you have to start somewhere. But this has been going on for decades. It's time to move from the starting line and go toward being truly friendly and not just wear the mask. That, my friends, is the very definition of hypocrisy. Now, hypocrisy is a Greek term describing an actor who wears a mask. So a church acting like a friendly place putting on a friendly facade at the entrance for people to see is quite literally hypocrisy. Don't even get me started about the 30 seconds you take out of your service to say hi to the people around you. That's just pathetic. Like telling a child to say sorry when they really aren't. A quick, sorry, and everything is all right. Okay, so you're in church and the service begins, usually with a song, occasionally with a Bible reading, then a song. Why? Why do we sing songs? I mean, again, it's not a bad thing, but everyone does it, and no one asks why. You play maybe one or two, allowing latecomers a chance to come in and sit down. 
Then you go into welcome and announcements. I'll tell you that this takes way too long. If people only remember 10% of what they hear, you don't want the 10% to be the announcements. You want it to be your message. Stop wasting our time and yours. It's printed in the bulletin. It's on your website. It's emailed to everyone and reminder phone calls. You don't need to announce it again. Just simply say all of our info is on our website. Sorry, I got off track because that's, that's nitpicking. I admit it. Now back to singing. For some reason, worship has become to mean singing. Sometimes dancing or a drama skit is included, but mostly singing. What do people do who cannot or do not like to sing? Singing takes up almost 50% of the service, and we never stop to ask why. I will unfairly speak for most people when I say that they are just reading the words, and they sing, and they don't really think about the words that they're singing. Neither do the worship leaders. This seems too obvious, but if we're worshiping the God of truth, why do we sing songs that are not the truth? Why do we sing things like, I stand in awe of you, when we're not standing? Why do we say we are shouting praise when we are not shouting? Why do we say I lift my hands or kneel or confess or anything else and not actually be doing it? Do we worship in metaphors? Is that what worship is? So why do we continue to sing songs nobody knows or wants to sing with words that are not actually true? No one is asking this question because singing continues to be the primary way we worship in church. There are other ways, and they take time and energy and resources. Experiential worship started becoming a thing, but it was quickly stamped out under the fear of emergent churches and heresy. I'm not saying singing is bad. I'm wondering why we have not asked the questions of why when we look at the failures of church. Enough about singing. Let's move on to the message. Because, well, that's what comes next. I don't want to critique the style because pastors need to be themselves. I wish more pastors took some speech and acting classes so they'd be better communicators, but I'm not a charismatic teacher either. The problem is not in the style. It's in the length and lack of practice. We're a culture where attention span is around eight minutes or less, yet most sermons are anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour. Pastors try to cram as much into one sermon as they can and think telling a story as an illustration is a good attention grabber. Well, it's not. Why do we feel like we have to hit a topic hard all in one sermon? What if we took a month to go over one topic? What if the sermon was less than 10 minutes and then we went into practicing how to do it? What would that look like? Science knows that actually doing something has greater lasting power than just hearing something. Is there a way to get people practicing the point of the message before they're sent out to live it? It's like trying to play a sport after the coach tells you what to do, but you never get to practice it. I can tell you how to throw the ball, but unless you practice, muscle memory will never kick in. We desperately need some practice time. Someone to show us how to do it, to model it for us, and then maybe even do it with us before sending us out on our own. We have to stop thinking the problem is bad theology. The problem is bad coaching. Moving on. The final portion of the service has a few different variances. Sometimes it's music and clothes. Sometimes it's an altar call. Sometimes communion or baptism, and most of the time there's the collecting of money. The order of these 
changes from church to church and week to week, but they're all there. There are mixed opinions on each of these things, and as much as I hate the collection of money, you know, it feels more like you're giving to a street performer than you are investing in the ministry of a church. I have had too many closed-door conversations regarding the happiness of large money donors. Money shouldn't matter, but it does. So this is a two-edged sword. People need to support the ministry they believe in financially, and pastors need to care less about the money. We know that churches need money to operate, pastors need salaries too, and things need to be fixed in the building. So make it happen, people. Invest in what you believe in. Now, the sacraments I won't touch because they are serious holy cows. But I do have to wonder if we have lost the point of them. Communion was a meal. Now it's a small cracker and a tiny shot of grape juice. Some churches give you a sip of wine, but that is usually limited to Catholics. The point wasn't to go through the motions of eating a cracker and drinking a little juice. The point was to meet together as friends and share a meal together where you talk about all that God is doing in your life. Baptism has lost its significance as well. As we tied it to a church membership or classes, and we put them all on a single day. Baptism seemed to be more spontaneous in Jesus' day. I don't know if that makes a difference or not, but why are we not asking the question? After the service, people leave and the next group of people come for the same experience. I wish there was a way to keep people around so they can get to know each other better. There are so many logistical problems like parking spaces, cost, and space, but there has to be a way to build actual community and relationships. Most churches have resigned to small groups being the answer, but from an ex-small group pastor, it doesn't work. So the typical service goes something like singing welcome, singing message, singing sacrament, singing go home. Do you see the problem? Basically, we expect singing and teaching to bring life change to everyone. We know this is a poor way to learn, grow, and change, but for some reason, we just keep doing it week after week, expecting something that happens in maybe 20% of the people at best. But change is hard. And if we change, people might get upset. I mean, remember the hell we experienced when we changed from hymns to contemporary music? Yes, I do. It's not a good thing. When churches fight over names and colors and styles of singing and whatever trivial problem comes up, that needs to be a signal that things are not right. Whatever the church was doing from this point and before was dysfunctional, and it did not produce loving, peaceable, and joyous Christ followers. I long for something different. I'm not sure how or what it would look like, and maybe that's a good thing. I don't think one person can have the answer. The church is made up of many different people. I imagine a building where there are lots of different rooms, where people can experience worship in many ways. A room for painting, a library for reading, a room for dancing, another for counseling, maybe even one for meditation. The possibilities could be as many as you have rooms for. Make the sermons available online where people can listen and learn on their own time if they want. You can even make a room for that. If we gave people options for experiencing God, would that be life-changing? I don't know. I'm just throwing out ideas. And that is the point. Maybe a church needs to have a spitball session. Ask people what they want. Maybe you change things up each week. 
One week you teach, the next you bring an expert on the subject, and then the next week you model it, and then you have a week where people talk about how they did it. You might even take a week and meet up to actually do something in the community that relates to the month's topic. Maybe you could sell the art that people make to raise money for a certain cause. Could you imagine instead of giving a sermon on meditation, you brought in an expert on meditation, a monk or something, and maybe you actually practiced it in church? Or maybe the week you talk about communion, you bring in a chef to cook while you talk about it, and then they smell the food and eat the food and share stories of God's goodness. The point is that until we change how we do church, we can't expect things to change. The same 20% will do 90% of the work, and people will jump from church to church saying they weren't being fed. It's not a cry for better theology. That's a cry for experience, something to live for. Sure, Jesus taught the people, but he also gave them experiences to learn from. He had meals, healed people, had them try things like fish on the other side of the boat. He even had Peter get out of the boat and try walking on water himself. We try to model church after the first churches in Acts, but one, that was a different time and culture. And two, they did things. They lived with each other, ate with each other, sold their stuff to help each other out. It says they shared everything in common. Everything is far more than singing and teaching. This is not your pastor's fault. They're taught in seminary and use the previous model to work off of. If they try to change things, well, then they probably are going to be fired. I know, because I'm one of them. I believe people are willing to change if it is something powerful and effective. Of course people get upset if you change the type of songs you sing. Every generation thinks their music is the best. Change happens when enough people speak up for it. We need to try and fail until we find whatever works in our community. There are enough churches doing the same old thing. So why not start churches that do things just a little bit differently? Let's start the conversations and begin to dream big. What would you envision if you could do church any way you wanted? The important thing is that we enter these conversations with patience, grace, and humbleness. Because when it comes to making changes in church, love wins. (music) 